such a sad old feeling. All the fields are soft and green, and it's memories that I'm stealing. But you're innocent when you dream. Hey, we, we miss you all. We miss seeing you in person, but welcome to the House of Mercy podcast. Um, hope you're listening to it in some beautiful place or in your kitchen, wherever you are. Welcome to the House of Mercy podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in Ames, Iowa. Beautiful. Are you? Yeah. Huh. Is it a beautiful day there? I mean, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Everybody's kind of like, uh, you know, it's Sunday morning. Everybody's sort of like crawling out of their houses. I guess it was a big, <laughs> like, frat party, the whole city yesterday. So. Oh, wow. That I, sounds... Yeah. Sort of okay. I don't know. No, yeah. it sounds terrible. I don't know what it sounds. I don't know. I think they ban masks though here. Oh, it seems that's like smart. I'm just guessing. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, this is just good. It's good to be here. Um, I, I certainly don't want to. For all our listeners in Ames, I don't mean to malign. I love. It. It's a great city. Great school. Okay. Go, well, go uh, hurricanes, cyclones. Yeah. Good grief. That, no, that's what they're called, the cyclones. Oh, oh. Yeah. But I, there was some Oh, there was cyclones. Sorry, my bad. There actually was some cyclones. The university, <laughs> Iowa State University, their mascot is the cyclones. I see. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, well, didn't, I didn't want to. I wasn't trying to make a joke about, you know, natural yeah. disaster in Iowa, which we're still, people are still suffering. Speaking of okay, suffering. I'm, oh, I was just going to go ahead and invite people. Uh, to this great event we're having with Bethlehem, the Midway Relief Community Connection. Is that what it's called, Russell? I think that's what it's called, yeah. And it's, uh, we, you know, a lot of us, a lot of you helped uh, 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 distributing food after, you know, during the uprising, and we've kind of continued there. But uh, 
We're going a little step further, and uh, through this Midway Relief and Bethlehem uh, Church in the Midway commissioned uh, some great muralists uh, to come and install murals on the 23rd Sunday and 22nd. And on the 23rd, there's going to be all kinds of doings, DJs. From, from 1 to 6, correct? 1 to 6, right. And they're going to be collecting food, bring all these food stay. Here, listen to some music, uh, interact with the muralist. There's going to be some uh, some conversations on allyship, led conversations on allyship during the day. But you can find all the information uh, on Bethlehem in the Midway Facebook page. Yeah. And they need some volunteers, and you can sign up there on that Bethlehem in the Midway Facebook page. So Absolutely. it'd be great to see people. Socially distanced, of course, yeah. but it'll be a fun celebration. It'll be good to be yeah, back there and uh, be fantastic. Uh, also, you know, you want to see people, the Feast of Jonah, our first in-person uh, service, the Feast of Jonah on September 20th, Sunday, 5 o'clock. It will be, of course, socially distanced, uh, safe, wear your mask, something like that. Just bring your own body and blood of Christ. And, uh, yeah, more information you'll get, but, uh, it's going to be Feast of Jonah as we always have it. Music, liturgical art. Yeah. Reflections on the theme of, uh, what? The diminishing. Man, to say that it's going to be about the diminishing light just lands differently this year, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can I totally am already noticing how much shorter the days are getting, too. So I like to have that time when we... Yeah, really think about what that means. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope you all come. We are going to mail everybody an invitation. Um, we can't guarantee that it will get there on time. But um, know that you still count. You mean because of... The problems with the post office? Yes, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Right. Um, sometimes when you explain a joke, you know. <laughs> well, for some reason I thought people might not get it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. I know. I, I did <laughs> so, say that. I did come right out and say they wouldn't get it, so. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of which, uh, I'm just doing random transitions. Uh we want to just thank everybody who supported us and continues to support us and, you know, with your giving. I mean, really, it's really what makes House of Mercy happen. Even though we're not there, we still are continuing to have all the same expenses. Salaries are certainly uh, paying rent, even though we aren't there. Um, so, but we are doing good things at the building. You know, yesterday, uh, some people, we all... Uh, Moved all the pews out. They're going to refinish those floors, and we put them back in. We're going to space them out, so there's going to be lots of room when we all do get back, and it'll be beautiful in there. So, uh, yeah. So, thank you for all of you who give money. Uh, those of you who maybe just found this podcast and uh, aren't regular attenders at the Old Time Mercy, um, please go to the House of Mercy webpage and give if you can. Hey, I just want to let people know, I know many of us are... Grieving Leif, who passed away last week, and I want to let people know that there will be a memorial streaming service, uh, 5 p.m. on Thursday. We will send a link to that Zoom 
um, in a newsletter. You can also find it on the House of Mercy Facebook Facebook page, and it's on Lafe's Caring Bridges site as well. So hopefully you all can be there as we remember and celebrate and mourn on Thursday. Yeah, thank you. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, though we pray in separate places, though we can't hear each other rustle and breathe in surrounding pews, though we might be walking or gardening in the kitchen or the car in different places in different times, Give us some sense that we can rest, even so, in the knowledge that we are part of a loving community. Help us be for each other, even when we can't see each other. We pray that your mercy will surround us now and lead us to mercy. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you all. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number 20, Lord, Build Me a Cabin in Glory. prayers of community. I'll end each prayer or petition with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray that we might have life and have it abundantly. We pray that George Floyd's family and Breonna Taylor's family 
and all the families left living without a loved one who was shot by the police will have life and have it abundantly. We pray that the Palestinians and the people of Beirut and Hong Kong, Iowa, and Belarus will have life and have it abundantly. We pray that prisoners and people living in poverty, people without enough food or water or medical care, people suffering from COVID-19 in all the far-flung places across this globe will have life and have it abundantly. Even if it is short and racked with some pain, we pray for vivid moments of love, abundant love, and comforting waves of peace. We pray that your mercy will wrap this creation round and round and that we might all feel it, at least brush past us. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray that your everlasting love will reach everywhere it's needed, way beyond death, deep in our hearts that are grieving. For Leif and Matthew, for parents who have died, and friends and children. Our grief is vast for who and what we have loved and lost. We pray for a balm, something to console us, something to hold us, whatever state we're in. Today we pray especially for Kristen and Isaiah and all of Leif's family and friends. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, some of us are feeling a little hopeless about the world, and it seems difficult to remain calm with one thing after another after another. We pray that we, you will help us not to be overwhelmed, or not to be overwhelmed too long that we will be able to feel grateful for sun and light and love, find some mercy here and there, that we will be able to do what we need to do to be part of bringing goodness and justice into the world, even though we are tired or depressed, even though a global pandemic, raging fires, storms, violence, and justice divisions are really getting to us. And if we are having a hard time finding the hope or energy, help us forgive ourselves as you forgive us. And may there be mercy. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Help us remember what we're grateful for and what we need to confess as we pause for silence. Your mercy is infinite. Your love more thorough than we can even imagine. Help us imagine and thank you. Amen. Tonight's reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 19. 
Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, he said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The sheep comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but it, I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You want to hear something really weird? I had this dream. I wake up. I mean in the dream. I wake up in the dream. It's one of those. I'm lying on my side in bed and my eyes just jump open. And I'm staring into another set of eyes, like 18 inches from mine. And I'm looking into these eyes, trying to get my bearings, to clear my head, to find some context. And I realize... Someone is stroking my hair. I blink and refocus. And I can see that I'm lying in bed with this woman. She's staring into my eyes and stroking my hair. I break eye contact and I look at this woman. She's lying on her side facing me. I look her over trying to figure out what what's going on. She's wearing these kind of flesh-colored stockings, shoeless. A black and white or like cream pattern dress, some lightweight synthetic material. And it's kind of bunched up around her hips, not in any sort of suggestion of romance way, but like as a result of lying on a bed or positioning yourself on the bed. I can't recall what the sleeves were like, but the neckline was a modest V with that whiter cream colored small ruffles. Her hair is dark and appears to be what they used to call set, sort of like a hairdo. And then I notice her hairline, some sort of ace bandage colored tape or something, 
sticking out from under her hair. I realize that she's wearing a wig and it's kind of shifted. I look in her eyes again. They're kind, and it's a deep kindness. Her mouth is in the shape of a sort of smile, but it's hard to tell because they're lined, her lips sort of pinched, like she was a lifetime smoker, and her lipstick, like the rest of her makeup, is heavy and poorly applied. She appears to be about 85. Her smile broadens slightly. I sit up quick and look around. I'm not in my bed, in my bedroom. I'm in a ward, like one of those hospital wards you see in a movie, beds lined up on each wall, fluorescent lights flickering. I'm scanning the room in a panic. I can't really make out the other patients. I mean, they're there. They There are other people moving around the ward, but they're out of focus, like in a dream. And, and then I know, like you do in a dream, this is a psych ward, an insane asylum. And I use those words with all apologies to those in the mental health profession. But this is not a modern inpatient psychiatric facility. This is a, a straight out horror movie insane asylum. I freak out and jump off the bed and start running. I see an elevator door at the end of the ward and I'm running as fast as I can. But that dream molasses is slowing me down. I hear shouts and look back and some nurses or orderlies are running after me, shouting something I can't make out. I get to the elevator, push the button. It's taking too long. I see the stairs. Then I basically go through every scary chase scene through a movie insane asylum cliche there is. Down the stairway, through a dark abandoned hallway, hiding behind some metal cart while the nefarious practitioners run past. You've seen it. I just want to tell you about this dream because the next day I remembered it so vividly. So I was kind of trying to figure it out. Like, does it mean anything? Then I remembered that Freud or Jung or Steve Norstead, my friend from seventh grade, said that every character in your dreams are all you. Everyone in your dreams are like a different part of you. So I thought, well, you want to know what I thought? I thought about this text for today because it had been so puzzling to me. It was really confusing to me, and I was not sure that I really understood what it meant. It's full of all these characters and mixed metaphors and statements that frankly didn't seem very true to me. Jesus says he is the shepherd that enters by the gate. He also says that he is the gate. Then he says he is the gatekeeper. And there is the thief and the bandit and the stranger. And they're all sheep, which I guess is who we are, who I am. Jesus says the sheep will recognize the voice of the shepherd. Jesus says we will recognize the voice of God speaking to us in the world. That God will be with us. Jesus says the sheep will run from the voice of a stranger. Jesus says we will run from the voice of the bandits in the world. Jesus says we will not listen to the thieves and the bandits. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says he comes that we might have life, real life, big life, that we will be fully alive. I say this is not true. I say there are people begging to hear the voice of God calling them to come through the gate, to the pasture, 
but they don't. Maybe can't. I say I cannot hear Jesus' voice calling me and that I have listened to the thieves and the bandits so many times. Felt like I've been ripped off, that I was dying, being destroyed. How can Jesus say people will recognize his voice and only follow him? It doesn't seem true. There are so many people in so much pain who have been so deceived. How can Jesus say something that so clearly contradicts my experience? And that's where this dream analysis of Freud or Jung or Steve Norstead comes in. What if in this text, it's like that? It's not really Jesus, God saying these things that don't make sense of my experience. But what if everyone in this text is me, a part of me? Then I think of the sheepfold. A sheepfold is a stone ring. The walls are about three or four feet high and there's one opening where the gate is. That ring, that stone ring shape, that is my like self, my psyche, maybe my unconscious self. And part of me is the thief, not entering the gate, but climbing over the wall, which is self-deception. The thief's voice is the part of me that speaks to me, deceives me into thinking and doing things that rob me of that big life, that real life, that fully alive kind of life. And the thief's voice leads to a kind of walking dead life. And the bandit, the Greek word that is translated as bandit in the Gospels usually means a rebel, like a political rebel. So the bandit is the rebellious part of me. It's also a voice of self-deception that leads me away from being fully alive, leads me to thinking I need to rebel, to strike out, that that is what it means to be alive but it too leads to a less than fully alive living. And the stranger is the self-deceptive voice that tells me that it is not okay to be me, that there is an other me, a preferable me that I should pursue. But for every one of these self-deceptive voices I have inside of me, I have a voice that knows what it means to be fully alive, that can lead me to live a big life, a real life, abundant life. For the thief, I have the voice of the shepherd that calls me to a kind of true self. For the bandit, I have the gate that calls me to safety. And for the stranger, I have the gatekeeper that both lets me out of the sheepfold to take appropriate risks in the world and to be, to feed and to be fed in the pasture and lets me back in the sheepfold where I can find rest and solace. So to live an abundant life, a fully alive life, all I have to do is listen to the true life-giving voices and don't believe the voices of self-deception I have within me. I have what I need within me to be fully alive. I just have to keep it in balance. See, when I understand this text this way, it's not Jesus. God telling me that I will only recognize his voice and will not follow the voice of the stranger, the thief, or the bandit. It is just another part of me, a positive part of me that sometimes prevails and sometimes doesn't. This way I don't end up with a Jesus that is saying things that contradicts my experience, 
This way I don't end up with a God that is untrustworthy. See? So I'm crouched behind this metal cart in this dark hallway. And they've run past. I feel like I'm in the clear, so I jump up to run the other way, but I accidentally bump into the metal cart and knock a bunch of stuff off it, and it clangs to the hallway floor loudly. They stop and turn around, see me, and start running for me. I run, find a door unlocked, and I go through it. I'm back in the ward. I run to the bed where I woke up and fall on it, breathing hard. I look over next to me, and there she is, still lying there, looking into my eyes. She does not seem alarmed or worried about my absence or surprised to see me reappear. She just looks into my eyes with that same deep kindness, where it's like a peace or love, and she's stroking my hair. It's like a dream thing because I feel like I'm stroking her hair. I really can't tell. She smiles a sort of pinched sideways smile. And I can see lipstick on her teeth. And then I feel like this rush, this rush through my whole body. And I see how beautiful she is. And I feel this rush and it feels indescribable. But something like love or life, like being fully alive for the first time. And I think, what if of all the voices I have inside of me, that there is a voice that comes from outside, beyond me, a voice that is not in rivalry with any other voice, does not compete with any other voice, because it is beyond me, comes to me, penetrates me, tells me that I am her own tells me that I will not follow the voice of the stranger, the thief, or the bandit, but that I will follow her voice because I know it, recognize, been birthed by it. And even though I don't completely understand this to be true, I can trust it because it is love, full, big life, and she has named me as her own. On the night he was given over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number six, Jesus Walking on the Water. Did he, did he, did he die upon that 
may the grace of Christ that excludes no one and the love of God that embraces all of creation and the peace of the Spirit which has no boundaries and no limit fill you with life and with love. Take care of each other. Amen.